You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from Option Alpha, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we are going to go through the seven questions you should ask yourself before putting on an options trade. And so the idea behind this show is to kind of piggyback on the show that we did last week's show number 154, where we talk about the most asked questions from Option Alpha members. And in this case, I want to kind of put forward some of these things that you should be double checking and thinking about as you start to make a trade. And the idea behind this is that it's kind of, you know, start making you think about all of the portfolio fit things that are really important uh, as you start building out a portfolio, as you start adding new trades, making sure that it kind of check some logical sequence and you know thought processes before you enter positions. As always, you can get some additional resources and a copy of the show notes if you want to read through the show notes or the transcript by going to optionalpha.com slash show 155. Again, that's just the number 155, optionalpha.com slash show 155. Okay, so let's get started here with number one. So the first question you should ask yourself is, does this fit my portfolio? And this to me is, I think, really important because I think a lot of people actually get hung up on adding trades because the trade looks really good or they found a good idea, but at the end of the day, it doesn't fit what their portfolio needs at the moment. So when I ask the portfolio fit question, it's always the first one up for me because I want to make sure I'm adding positions that you know interact with other positions appropriately. For example, if we have 10 bearish trades on, I do not want to add another bearish trade. I don't care how good the chart looks. I don't care how amazing the rationale is. I don't care who it came from. It doesn't matter. I don't need another bearish trade in my portfolio. What I need is more bullish trades. I need something that's going to balance out my existing positions. And this naturally begs the question that you should be monitoring and adjusting your portfolio beta weighting on an ongoing basis. So if you can't answer the portfolio fit question, it's probably because you've got a lot of other things you have to take care of first. If you don't know what your portfolio beta weight is, you should probably find out. If you can't, if you don't know how to find out, you should probably, you know, take a look at one of our video tutorials or one of our podcasts where we talk about beta weighting right here on Option Alpha for free. But the whole idea with the portfolio fit question again is just this idea that we want to add positions that are complementary to one another. We don't want to have, you know, a bunch of positions in the same underlying ticker symbol in the same expiration month and are using 50% of our capital for that position. We want to make sure that we're spreading positions out over time and strike price, et cetera. The second question is liquidity. Does the individual contracts that we're trading or the ticker symbol that we're trading have enough liquidity? And this, again, I think is really easy to get sucked down this rabbit hole of finding really cool, air finger quotes, cool trades that you might see someplace else online or on a Twitter stream or somebody in a Facebook group posted. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't have enough liquidity to be traded, not only right now, but on an ongoing basis in the future for scaling purposes, then why trade it, right? So I think about oftentimes like the analogy I use in coaching is garage sales, right? So people always go out and they look for these deals in garage sales. And we've got family members who love to do this, right? They garage sale hunting, but you can't really scale that. So there's only so many garages you can go to and there's only so many deals and it's probably really unique to find this thing that you can buy at one garage sale and sell in another garage sale. It's just not scalable. There's not enough liquidity there to actually make it 
profitable enough to do on an ongoing basis. This is why what we do here at Option Alpha is we pre-screen for liquidity and for open interest for a lot of the tickers that we trade. And because what we want to see is we want to see ongoing high liquidity and open interest so that we know we can not only get our positions in and out pretty quickly and at pretty decent prices, but also so that we can scale up with our portfolio in the future. There's no point in trading something if it only has 10 contracts of open interest or 100 contracts of open interest because it can't scale appropriately in the future. And who's to say that when you need to get out of that position, you're going to be able to get out at favorable pricing if you're going to be able to get filled at all. So the second thing is really double checking that liquidity. Number three is asking yourself where implied volatility rank is. So the question here really revolves around position sizing ultimately. So when you are looking at implied volatility rank, what you want to have a good understanding of is not only the individual implied volatility rank of the ticker symbol you're trading, but you also want to have a good understanding of the overall market implied volatility. This is pretty easy to see, actually. You can take a look at the VIX. You can take a look at UVXY or VXXB. Any of these volatility products can give you a good idea of where overall market volatility is. But the reason this is important is because you should know what kind of environment you're trading in. Are you trading in an environment where implied volatility is really high and everyone's overpricing their options? And that's a good opportunity to kind of scale up your position sizing and be a little bit more aggressive with your option selling strategies. Or are you trading in an environment where everyone is complacent, there's no fear in the market, and implied volatility is really low? Those are actually the time periods where I think most options traders end up by default over allocating in their position size. They trade a little bit too much when implied volatility is low and they start building these bigger position sizes to compensate for the fact that premium is low and they need to trade more often or more strikes to actually make the same dollar return as they were used to in high implied volatility. And what happens is that when we switch quickly from low implied volatility markets to high implied volatility markets, we see a lot of positions typically blow up, right? That's where you can get hurt as an option seller. So my suggestion is not only to keep overall allocations low during low implied volatility, but you also want to keep individual ticker allocations low as well. So if we're in a low implied volatility environment, that doesn't mean that we should stop trading. We should just scale back our position sizing, maybe trade one to 2% position sizes versus two to three to 4% position sizes. Maybe our overall allocation for our portfolio should be 15-ish percent allocated with 85% sitting in cash. And so sometimes it can feel like we're just not making enough headways in those types of environments. Environments, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to cushion and pad ourselves and protect ourselves from the inevitable spike in implied volatility that will come. And we've seen this time and time again that it does come, and we know that it can sometimes be shorter or longer than other spikes before, but it will come. Implied volatility will come back to the markets. It always does. And so you just want to be under allocated during those environments. The fourth question you should ask yourself is which expiration am I trading? Now, we've done a lot of research on this, and you can use our back tester to kind of hone in which expiration ends up working better for different strategies or different ticker symbols. What we generally find is that the monthly contracts do a good enough job without the frequent reoccurring need to sell premium on a weekly basis. And so we target most of our positions on the monthly expiration. Now, again, this doesn't mean that you can't trade weeklies or that weeklies aren't profitable. It's just probably they need a little bit more babysitting and a lot more frequency to actually make as much money as the monthly contracts. So for me, the question I always ask is, which expiration month do I want to get into? 
this is really a factor of how close are we to expiration for the front month weekly or front month contracts versus the back month contracts. Typically, we start building out our positions around 60 days out from expiration, and we stop building in that expiration period once it gets to around 25-ish days until we get to expiration. So between that time period, we're building and laddering positions and kind of working our portfolio out on the uh, time horizon. So currently, right now, as we're recording this podcast, Podcast, we're building out our April positions, and we've been building that out for about two weeks now. Once we get to around 20, 25 days to go until April expiration, we'll stop building April and we'll start building out the March portfolio or the uh, May portfolio. So we'll just kind of piggyback it one on top of another. But again, that's another question you should be asking yourself is, you know, which expiration period should I be targeting or which one should I be trading? Question number five here, what strategy should I be using? So this is pretty actually easy. By default, you should be using mostly option selling strategies. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't use an option buying strategy. In our opinion, that's more of a hedge technique than a core underlying strategy. So when we look at options trading holistically, what we want to be doing is net selling option premium. We want to be option sellers. This means that you should be doing straddles, strangles, iron butterflies, iron condors, credit spreads, etc. And the idea behind asking yourself the strategy question also ties into question number one, which is portfolio fit. So you can still be an option seller as your core strategy, but maybe because your portfolio is becoming a little bit too bearish in nature, you've got a lot of bearish trades on. Maybe in this case, you still sell options, but you add a put credit spread, which is a bullish option selling strategy. And that helps give your overall portfolio a little bit more balance, but you're still holding true to this concept of selling option premium. So I think the strategy question is really the same core strategy of option selling. It's just which side of the market do you ultimately want to be on? Do you want to build a strategy that's generally neutral because your overall portfolio is neutral? Or are you starting to get a little bit unbalanced or you know tilted in one direction and you need to start adding exposure that helps you rebalance your positions? Question number six is double checking your position size. So what I always like to do is when I get through this list of you know, possible like checks and, you know, double checks uh, for trades is I want to double check my position size right before I enter the trade. This to me is one of the last things I always do. And I know intuitively where my position size should be, but I always want to double check. I don't ever want to assume that, you know, selling three contracts or selling five contracts fits the bill. I want to physically look at the order screen and see what my maximum risk is or what the margin is that is required to carry the position. And again, this is because I know for sure that position sizing ultimately is one of the things that will lead to most people failing in options trading because they just over allocate their position size and they don't even check. They just assume, okay, because Kirk did three contracts or so-and-so did three contracts, that that magically should work for me. But it doesn't. We're all a little bit different. We have a little bit different portfolio size. Nobody has exactly the same portfolio size as me or the next person or, you know, Joe or Bob or Bill or, you know, Karen or whoever, right? So we want to make sure we're double checking our position size right before we place the order. Question number seven, and probably the most important question you can ask, and this is after you probably place the trade or at least have the working order in there, is what if? And so if you really take anything away from today's podcast, it's asking yourself immediately as you start placing that trade or even if that trade's already open and working, 
start going through what-if scenarios. And what you should be doing at this time is exploring how you would adjust or hedge the position if the worst-case scenario happened. Now, I say the worst-case scenario because everyone assumes that just losing on a trade is the worst-case scenario. We know that we're going to lose on trades. We know that we're not going to win on every single position that we enter. But what I see people doing all the time, and just recently, I don't know why this kind of like creeps to the front of my mind, and the reason I wanted to address it on today's podcast is I see people going through the motions of placing trades and they're doing everything right, but then the trade starts losing and they don't know what to do. They kind of throw up their hands and they're like, you know what? I, I give up, right? Like the trade's now losing. I don't even know what to do. And so I want you guys to start asking yourself the question, what if, and start exploring how you would adjust the trade and learning and planning now, trying to figure out, okay, what if the market went higher against my position? Does that do anything to my position? What would I do in that case? What if the market was 10% lower tomorrow? How would I adjust this position? What if I'm three days from expiration and the market is 5% higher, right? And just play out all these different scenarios in your mind so that you could walk through mentally before you actually do anything. Just walk through mentally how you might adjust a position. And if you don't know how to adjust a position, then look it up, right? Do a little bit of research, figure out how you can make adjustments, go through. We have got a lot of training on adjustments, a lot of recent case studies and podcasts that we've done on adjustments, but go through some of those videos and those podcasts and kind of walk through the adjustments with us and hear the logic and the sequence and the process that we go through to make adjustments. But playing that through in your mind a couple hundred times in some cases is really, really critical because when the inevitable happens, when the market does move against your position and it's the first time it's ever done it, this won't be something new to you. You would have played through this in your mind a hundred times before. This is actually no different than what some of the best professional athletes and you know college players do is they play through scenarios over and over and over again in their mind. What if the per, you know what if so and so makes you know X move against me right? Um, when I was a quarterback in college, like that's what we used to do all the time. We used to play through scenarios in your mind before the ball was even snapped. So what if the safety blitzes? What if the corner blitzes? What if this linebacker blitzes? What if they don't blitz at all and they play man coverage? And it's just playing through every one of these scenarios so that if something happens, you already know what you're going to do. And it's more of a uh, like reaction than just this huge emotional thought process that you go through. So for me, the biggest question you can always ask when getting into positions is what if and start exploring those adjustments right now. And I promise you it will not only help you when the time comes to make an adjustment or to hedge a position, but it will allow you to react faster and potentially get better pricing and premium, which reduces the amount of risk or increases the potential return of a trade. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this again. These are just seven kind of quick questions I wanted to put together on today's weekly podcast because I think these things are really important. I think not enough people kind of double check some of these. And these are, to me, just kind of checklist items that you can go through on an ongoing basis until you feel really comfortable making trades uh, to make sure that you're kind of double checking different scenarios, double checking position size, portfolio fit, all of these things that are really important because what we control as options traders is trade entry, right? We don't have any control over what the market does after we enter a position or what the Fed does or who sneezed or what dictator or president you know, tweeted what. We don't have any control over that. What we can control are these items, these pre-entry items, position size, portfolio fit, strategy, expiration period, right? Those are the things that we can control and ultimately will lead to our success. So make sure that you're double checking them before every trade that you make. 
All right, so before we get into the Trader Q&A segment, as I've been doing the last couple of weeks, I wanted to read a quick uh, testimonial from one of our members who left it on iTunes for us. And again, give you guys a little bit of a shout out. I really appreciate these. And um, a lot of these are pretty funny, actually, when I go through and read some of these. So I really do appreciate it. If you like what we're doing here on Option Alpha, please uh, take some time just to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or Google or wherever you listen to podcasts. But here is what uh, TXKOS said. Uh, they said, upfront, honest, and knowledgeable. He said, Kirk tells it as it is. Nothing is guessed at. If he says it is, it's back-tested, period. He says he can talk fast, which I can talk fast, and I actually just tripped over my word saying that, but it has excellent show notes, and it's suitable to print out and put in a binder. No freaking joke. So that's what he said. I appreciate that very much. Um, and yes, I can talk fast because I get excited about this stuff. But the good news is in most of those uh, podcasts, you can just slow down the way that people talk. And I just slowed down my voice just to trick you a little bit. Um, and you can actually listen to it on half speed or three quarter speed, whatever it works. But I really do like doing this show. All right. So Trader Q&A segment today. Let's get into it right now. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now, here's today's question. Hello, Kirk. My name is Eric. I'm from Louisiana. I've been listening to your podcast every week, and uh, I have a question about the last two podcasts. How many option trades do we have to place to see profits and laddering option trades, frequency and pricing? So on the podcast, it says that, you know, we'll have to place about a couple hundred trades to see the results you want to see, right? And uh, it says that we should ladder or adjust our trades as the market moves. Now, the question that I have today is that trading the same underlying consistently versus trading different underlying with the same probability, like is there a big difference between those two? Like, for example, if I open a TLT trade every week, right, every week versus opening um, IWM this week, uh, NFLX next week or FXY the week after, all with the same setup, same probability, like will they still yield the same results? So that's the, the questions I have today. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Eric, so much for submitting a question. As always, this really comes in two parts, right? First part is how many trades to see profits? And the next one is really about laddering, right? So to use the same underlying versus different underlyings with the same trade. So the first answer is it's probably going to take a couple hundred trades for sure to start seeing the numbers solidify and the probabilities start to really form themselves around the expected outcome. So what I often see is that people who start, they end up making say 10 trades and if they have 50-50 winners and losers, they end up throwing their hands up and saying, you know what, I quit. This thing doesn't work. It's a scam. It's totally bogus. This is all fake. But they only made 10 trades. Look, anything can happen in 10 trades. Anything could happen in 50 trades or even 100 trades. It's not until you make probably a couple hundred trades that you really start to solidify the expected outcome. When you're trading at a high probability system like this or like any option selling system, it's all about hitting that expected outcome. And that expected outcome only will solidify and really materialize after you've actually made enough entries. Now, I'm not talking about one entry and one exiting trade as two trades. That's one complete trade and position. So I'm talking about a couple hundred entries. It may take some time to actually you know, let this thing work itself out. It may not be the first month. It may not be the first six months. It might take you a full year to get a couple hundred trades on or even longer 
before you start to feel really comfortable. But that doesn't mean that it's broken or that you shouldn't go through the process of doing it. Look, everyone has to go through the same growth process. The very first options traders, every hedge fund, anybody who starts doing this, they have to go from their first trade to their first 100, 200, 300 trades. Nobody can skip that process. So I don't know why anybody thinks they're different. I'm not saying you are, Eric, but not not any stretch at all. I'm saying that generally people think they're different, that, that the laws of large numbers don't apply to them for some reason, but they do. We need to be diligent and patient enough to actually make enough trades to let the numbers work themselves out. So the second part of your question was around laddering. So this idea of, you know, if we're adding and laddering into positions, do we do it in the same underlying? Or if we have, say, a smaller account, do we start trading different underlyings with the same style of trade? My preference would be to diversify your portfolio before you start adding multiple laddered entries. So if you came to me and you said, Kirk, I only have X amount of dollars, I have a small account, and I just can't make all the trades. I can't do laddering and spread, you know, three different laddered entries across 10 different tickers, just too many positions for my account. That's fine. I think the default answer then is you want to add diversity to your account before you start laddering into multiple entries in the same underlying. So I would rather see you trade SPX and TLT and GLD and XLU and just have one trade going in each of those than to have five positions in SPY. I think the risk is just too great for a single ticker symbol that will ultimately go through some black swan event in its lifetime. And I just don't want to see you getting hurt by having all of your eggs in one ticker symbol. Even if they're spread over different laddered entries, it still carries a lot of that black swan type risk in the single ticker symbol. So like I said, I would rather see people with new accounts, or even if you're starting to scale up, try to get a lot of diverse tickers into your portfolio before you start going back through and adding laddered entries. And in fact, many pro and elite members know as we build out our portfolios every single month, what we do is we start adding just a single trade in each ticker, and then we come right back around and start adding the second and third laddered entries later on. But we try to first get that core group of tickers in the first sets of laddered entries in each of those tickers. Then we come in and kind of fill in the gaps and you know fill up the portfolio a little bit more with additional trades in the same ticker. So hopefully this helps out. As always, if you want to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask, just like Eric did, and click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install. It's incredibly easy. So let's get in the closing bell segment today where I'll discuss a new trade that we're making in XOP. Now. The closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, everyone, this is Kirk here again. And in today's closing bell segment, I want to talk about a new position that we got into in XOP. So XOP is the uh, Spider Oil and Gas ETF. And it basically tracks more or less the oil and gas markets. You can say that it pretty much tracks crude oil pretty pretty closely. It has a really high beta correlation to things like USO and OIH, et cetera. And the reason we want to trade XOP is because it's one of our core tickers in this new list of uncorrelated positions that we're trying to build out. So we're trying to go back through our research and starting to find out that there's probably a, a certain set of ticker symbols that we want to trade on an ongoing basis. And by using that exact set, 
we can build the most uncorrelated diversified portfolio for options trading as humanly possible. So at this point, we want to get into positions like positions in XOP. So what we're going to start doing here is going to start trading XOP and do that for the April expiration. Now, this admittedly is our second laddered entry that we're talking about here. We already got into our first laddered entry, have done a lot of other ticker symbols in the last two weeks. And so we're still building out April. This is our second laddered entry here in XOP. So as XOP has moved down over the last week or so, we had an opportunity to add a new position centering our new iron butterfly at the 28 strike. So in this case, we're selling the April monthly contracts in XOP. We're selling the 28 calls, the 28 puts. That's the core or the inside of the iron butterfly. It's basically the straddle synthetic that we're basically choosing to do. And then we're going out on either end and buying really cheap options for protection. Now, the reason that we're doing this is because generally implied volatility is low right now. So we're starting to see implied volatility fairly low, not only in XOP, which is a 32 IV rank, but also broadly across the markets, we're starting to see low implied volatility. So for us, it's really cheap and, and almost a no-brainer to buy these long wings on these iron butterflies. So we're trading a straddle essentially and then choosing deliberately to buy long option contracts far out on either end because it's really cheap protection. So that if this implied volatility spike happens eventually or during this expiration month, we have an opportunity to define our risk, to control our margin, and leave enough capital available to really scale up into higher implied volatility later. So for us, it's a no-brainer. We give up a little bit of premium buying these long options. In exchange, we get, I think, a lot of peace of mind, a lot of security, and having a risk-defined position. So this uh, particular trade here in XOP, again, we're selling the 28 calls and the 28 puts, and then we're buying the 33 calls. So buying call options, $5 out on the call side for $0.09. Cents. And on the put side, we're buying call uh, put options $6 out, the 22 strike put options for $0.07. Cents. So you can see collectively we're spending about $16 and it gives us a ton of protection. We still took in a net credit of $240 on each of these iron butterflies that we sold, but we paid again at, as a result of this some $16 or so uh, for each of these to get some protection. And again, to me, that's worth it. So we'll make $16 less on this trade if it works out and it goes all the way to expiration, but we have a lot of risk and uh, mitigation done already for us right now if implied volatility were to spike overnight or in some black swan event that we just can't see coming in the future. Uh, so to me, this is really kind of the, the trading that we want to try to do during these low implied volatility markets. This is why we like iron butterflies. They backtest really well during these low implied volatility markets because they're basically straddle synthetics and they control risk really, really well. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I hope you guys truly enjoyed today's show. And as always, got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 155. Again, that's just the number 155, optionalpha.com slash show 155. And until next time, happy trading.